Crystal Clear here, host of the podcast, More Morgulons. I don't care if you think Morgulons disease is real. I think it's important for people to understand that this is real. Well, that's kind of pie in the sky. And I would love for people to understand that it's real. But I don't know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. You don't want to believe it? Fine. <laughs> have it your way. Oh, I beg your pardon. I have not introduced friend Travis Walton who about 50 years ago was apparently abducted for five days by aliens. You don't want to believe it? Fine. <laughs> have it your way. He, like we, if you have more lungs, can appreciate what it feels like to be in a position of telling people something that's true, yet unbelievable. Travis, do you know how unbelievable it sounds? Oh yeah, I, I understand. You know, from the outside, especially somebody who doesn't know about the physical evidence. I understand how it can sound to people who don't want to believe it. They don't have to look very far to find a reason not to. How do you know what's true? How do you evaluate claims? What's a fair examination of the evidence? I really think the entire society would benefit from understanding what true critical thinking is. How do you know what's true? How do you evaluate claims in a fair and unbiased way? You don't begin with a conclusion. You gather the evidence first. Bingo. The CDC, obviously, when they studied Morgulon's disease, started out with a conclusion instead of gathering the evidence first. How do we know this? Because they identified patients in the Kaiser Permanente health record who were diagnosed with delusions of parasitosis to conduct their study of Mortalon's disease on. Before they gathered the evidence, they had already concluded that people with delusional parasitosis um, would be good for the study since Mortalon's is, as they concluded, delusional parasitosis. Yeah, this is what we call science gone wrong. Let's make it right. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Extra, extra, read all about it. Breaking news. I've got more cutting edge research hot off the presses that I just did. Yes. If you recall, if you hearken back to an earlier season and episode called Crowdsourcing Research about Morgulons, then you will see the beginnings of my study. I believe my N or sample size was around 90 or 100 at that time. Well, it's been updated. I've got 130 now. We're getting a more robust sample size as time goes on. And guess what? Our stats remain about the same. You want to know the top three places in the United States to get more ones? Number one, California. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Florida. Would you like to know the fourth most common place to get it? Texas as you would possibly expect since population of Texas is large, just like California and Florida. Don't know where Georgia came in. Um, but anyway, yeah, so then Texas, then there is a three-way tie between Tennessee, Pennsylvania, and Washington. And after that, we've got New Jersey and 
Michigan tied for third place. Um, there's probably, interestingly, here are some places that I don't have any Morgulons cases recorded. Alaska, Arkansas, Connecticut, Idaho, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Vermont, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. You know what I find interesting about that? Well, for one thing, the places where Lyme disease has traditionally been endemic are not popular places to get more on, so that link is somewhat questionable for that and other reasons, but the other aspect that I've looked at in my research is the timeline. When did people get Morgulans? Is this becoming more prevalent? Well, the answer to that is still a resounding fuck yes, unfortunately, yes. 75% of people that have Morgulans disease got it since 2015, 44% since 2020. So far in my particular research study of 130 people, most of them are female, but there are plenty of males. There is a uh, a trend that looks like most of them are Caucasian, but it is commensurate with the population percentage of white people. So it's, if you adjust for total volume, it's just as common in black people as it is in white people. Um, a lot of people put down their descent that were European, and most of them seem to be from Ireland, England, Scotland, Northern Europe, got a few Italians. Um, we do have plenty of people in Canada and um, a few people in the UK. Now this is just my particular small 130 person study. Is it bigger than the CDC study? Yes, it's almost twice as big. How many people were involved in the CDC study? Morgulans, 70 total. There are some interesting correlations Lots of people report having this distributed across the body on the face, the genitals, and to a lesser degree, the extremities and torso. We need more demographic data. Again, if you are interested in participating in my geotemporal spatial map, hot map of Morgulon's outbreak since uh, the year 2000, then you should contact me. I would also love to know what month, if you know, what month, year, what city, state, or country um, that you got this in. Please, 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 if you want to see this problem solved, be a part of the solution. Send me your data. Moremorgalons at gmail.com. I want the city, the month, if you know it, the year, the state, the country your gender, your race, and all of your information will be private, de-identified, and never shared with anyone to make a dollar or a penny. Okay? So it's safe with me if you want to send me your data. Um, also, just an update on how I'm doing. I've got more Morgulons. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a new lesion. After three years of this shit and things seeming to get better for like a month um, this year, it's back and it's worse than ever. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in my research also that I've always found interesting about this disease is the clusters. Some people, about 20% of people based on my research, get this as part of a cluster of cases. So there was one guy on there who got this alongside with his boss and girlfriend. Another woman and her husband got it. She got rid of it. He didn't. That was five years ago. As many of you know, if you've listened to the show, I got this at the same time as my best friend and my ex. 
who claims to have gotten rid of his. And if you don't count the unexplained genital lesions every few months, he has. It's my best friend who only occasionally has a symptom. And me, of course, who has more glands all over my face, hanging out of my face and ruining my face. Yay. Uh, I did want to give a tip out there to the ladies or the gentlemen or anyone in between who is interested in not looking like a disfigured ogre <laughs> um, from their Morgulon scars. I did get some filler, facial filler, um, injected into my scars. <clears throat> the lady at the uh, med spa was like, mm, you must have really bad acne. I'm like, mm, no, I never had bad acne, actually, but <laughs> thanks for asking. Line, it did help. So if you have the money, the time, and an appetite for risk, go for it. it seems to have helped me a little bit. I say that as there are weird white things hanging out of a lesion in my face right now, but honestly, the physical symptoms of Morgulons, as horrible, bizarre, and unbelievable as they are, to me are not nearly as bad as the other psychosocial economic aspects of this illness. People with contested illnesses like ours, like Morgulons, we face challenges such as we get a lack of recognition, we get stigmatized, denial of insurance coverage, and um, difficulty finding effective care or impossible to find effective care if you're me. Um, and if you believe like I believe, which is that there is no effective care when there are no evidence-based research treatments. But you know, you're free to believe whatever you would like to believe. If you have a doctor you like that's helping you, fuck yeah, that's amazing. Keep going if you want to. I know I haven't published an episode in a while and I used to publish much more frequently. I just want to make sure that what I'm publishing is quality information or entertainment that people will appreciate and will somehow help them through this horrible experience that is Morgulon's disease. I find that after three years of this, um, it is hard to maintain a sense of hope or motivation or energy around dealing with this disease on a personal level or at scale um, as a condition, as a political issue, as a pandemic, which is what it truly is. Um, but just because you don't hear from me as much doesn't mean that I'm not out here still hoping. I am. I am still full of hope. I am still convinced that somehow telling my story and allowing you all to tell your stories will somehow make a difference. Now, I don't know how, maybe you can't see how, but sometimes you can hope for what you can't see. In Romans, in the Bible, it says, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So keep your patience, keep your hope, exercise that self-compassion. Be good to you, be kind to you, be gentle with you. You deserve great love. And I'm sending you mine, all of you, including me. All right, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Oh, just kidding. It's not the end of the episode. I want to share with you an email I got and just found. I discovered something really interesting yesterday. First, though, I've been dealing with Morgulons for about nine years and pretty much gave up hope for finding a cure or a community to collaborate with until I stumbled upon your wonderful, wonderful audio collage. You inspired me to become vocal about Morgulons again, and even though I've been isolating myself physically the last few weeks, I've felt a real sense of connectedness and belonging since I began fervently binging your product. Anyway, yesterday. I've been having a difficult time with my lesions the last month or so. I recently broke up from a year-and-a-half relationship and relapsed in self-destructive protest. Nobody's allowed to hurt me more than me. 
So I'm in the bathroom drawing a bath, preparing to give my new essential oil experiment another go, testing a theory that morgues are fungal in nature. As the bath was being filled, I was sidetracked by a glow pipe and some neat little crystals. By the time I was satiated, the tub was lukewarm from overwatering, and the hot water tank was completely used up. Been there, done that, boo. Um, I had my heart set on at least rinsing off whatever dead material my body had collected since my last bath a few hours prior, so I sat on the edge with my feet and legs submerged, just kind of chilling and listening to some episode in the season uh, while examining the most unique mortar lines I could find floating in the bathwater. Then I had a dumb idea. I knew it was dumb, but I had to test it for posterity. What if, I thought, what if I could heat the water in the tub with my torch? <laughs> what morgie does not have a fire torch? I do. If you don't, you need to go get one somebody's house is gonna know I'm just kidding don't light your house on fire I reached over to grab my big blue propane torch that I've been using in lieu of my small pile of empty big lighters twisted the valve to loud hissing sound and clicked the igniter all while debating with myself about whether or not I can justify wasting propane we've already committed this far I persuaded myself <laughs> I turned the jet downward toward the surface of what appeared to be just plain water and then something astonishing happened the first sign was the shadow of the water's surface along the floor of the tub. The torch's silhouette was producing a shadow from the flame tip that looked almost like the wake of a boat, but after extending a few inches, the shadow would break like a Cheeto, and a new line would begin growing, pushing the previous one out of its way. I wasn't prepared to see anything unusual in that moment. I squinted and stared, watching this long, broken shadow grow like spaghetti being extruded from the torch shadow. I broke my attention from the floor of the tub to the source of these odd shadows. The exact spot where the flame was touching the surface was producing a milky, translucent-colored strip with what appeared to be mostly clear hair or thread. The surface of the water soon had tens and tens of these strings floating around, bumping into each other and moving toward a state of entropy. Eventually, one of the hairs found its way back under the flame, and that's where it seriously blew my fucking mind. The tiny little hair didn't disintegrate into smoke under the powerful torch's heat like intuition would mislead me to predict. Instead, it began to dance. It quickly shriveled up using different folds and twists in such a way that resembled DNA being produced. In seconds, what was merely a two-dimensional line arc had arranged itself into one of the very shapes that had been haunting me since 2014. 2014. I was in disbelief. At very specific point, the spinning, twisting mass detached itself from the influence of the flame as another fiber came in and took in its place, as if waiting in line. This one spun and folded in a different pattern, but ended producing yet another hauntingly familiar shape. Morgulons. <laughs> I picked up the torch flame and started attacking as many hairs as I could, and it became obvious that I was witnessing what I suspected. So what was happening? With all of the material floating on the surface now, it was easy to see the clear oil-like strips roughly two to two and a half inches long and maybe one quarter of an inch wide. Biofilm. I have a theory of where the biofilm comes from. You have an episode that described a guy who claims material on the surface of some dental implants and fillings may invite bacterial fungal infestations, which could produce toxic biofilms. Also, Austin Morgie Girl once mentioned about having had tubes in your ears could invite biofilm-producing produ organisms. It seems to me that anywhere in your body with an unnatural cavity could harbor unwanted entities. I don't know about the source, but it seems evident that biofilm is the source of my lesions. Well, we are going to have to revisit this uh, unique story on our next episode. Stay tuned.